Welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series, where PwC professionals share their insights on key transfer pricing developments. I'm happy to be sharing this podcast recorded by PwC Germany. The speakers include Isabel Verlinden, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Leader, Georgia Maffini, a PwC Senior Manager in Tax Policy and Transfer Pricing, and formerly with the OECD, as well as Stefan Roche, a PwC Transfer Pricing Partner. In this podcast, the speakers discuss in detail the OECD proposals for profit allocation in Pillar 1 and share their outlook on ideas in Pillar 2. Take a listen. Good morning or good afternoon, whenever you're going to listen to this podcast. We are very pleased uh, that you have tuned in to our podcast. What we want to do today is to discuss the most recent developments at the OECD level. And um, these developments are able to change the international taxation principles as we have not seen for decades, I would say. And if I say it's we want to discuss this, um, it is Isabel Berlin, Georgia Maffini and I, Stefan Rasch, and we are all from PwC. And Isabel, do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you very much, uh, Stefan, and uh, also a warm welcome from my side. I'm a PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Leader, and as transfer pricing is um, a very important theme in uh, particularly the Pillar 1 proceedings, I'm very happy to join uh, you today for the podcast. Right. Georgia, you want to take over? Thank you, Stefan. Good afternoon or good morning to everyone. My name is Georgia Maffini. I work uh, in tax policy and transfer pricing for PwC, specifically in the UK firm. And uh, I've joined uh, uh, PwC only a little over a year ago uh, from the OECD, where I worked on the taxation of the digital economy. Great. So I think we have the right people. Um, my name is Stefan Rasch. I'm a transfer pricing partner based in Munich in Germany. And um, yeah, before we jump in, I, I think it, it is fair to say only if we look what has happened since 9th of October and even before that beginning of the year 2019, we have or we're seeing fundamentally changes um, on what we on international tax rules on the ground as the OECD is uh, saying that the current rules are dating back to the 1920s and that they are no longer sufficient to ensure a fair location of taxation rights. So what they introduced is, after some kind of discussions over, over the summer, that we now have a Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 thing, let me call it like this. And um, yeah, I would hand over to you, Georgia, if you can give a kind of overview, what is, what is it all about on Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, let me get a kind of overview here. Thank you very much, Stefan. So the project that the USCD is carrying out is, as we'll see, really an, a complete overhaul of the corporate international tax system. There are two pillars of uh, this project. Pillar one is, in one sentence, about allocating more income to the market, meaning where your customers are, irrespective of whether the multinational group has a physical presence, a taxable presence, as of the Article 5 of the Model Tax Convention. Um, and the revolution here is not only that we are taxing where the customers are, meaning that we are importing in the corporate tax system the destination principle, but we are going to do that using a formula. So the income that we, the extra income that we will need to allocate to markets under the so-called amount A, will be calculated not using the ALP, 
but using the arm's length principle, but using a formula, essentially. So this is really the second revolution of what the OECD is doing currently. And then we have a pillar two. Pillar two is about a minimum tax. And there are two rules under pillar two. The first rule is called um, income inclusion rule, whereby the headquarter jurisdiction of a multinational, say Germany, will be able to tax the total income of a CFC, of a controlled foreign corporation, if that total income has been taxed below an agreed minimum effective tax rate. There is also a secondary rule which says that a market or a source jurisdiction will be able to deny treaty benefits, will be able to deny a deduction if the income related to that deduction ends up, in, uh, ends up being taxed below an agreed effective minimum tax rate. And the really, um, important uh, changes in the corporate tax system, more income to the market under Pillar 1 and an effective minimum rate under Pillar 2. Thank you very much, um, Georgia, for this summary of Pillar 1 and Pillar 2. So um, Pillar 1 basically is about uh, a recalibration of the allocation rules based on a fairly mechanical set of rules. This is why you refer to amount A, B and C, while Pillar 2 is more about minimum taxation. So here we are touching on the source versus uh, residency um, aspects of the international tax framework. I have a question on the mechanical set of rules uh, for you, uh, Georgia. Amount A, you talked about a complete new allocation right. Uh, it's part of the premium profit or whatever I could call it from a company that is determined on a, on a global basis. Um, what will be the basis to calculate amount A? Because there is no such thing as a worldwide tax return. So how are we going to do this? We think that the OECD has in mind, Isabel, to look at the consolidated audited financial statement for a group and use either the e-margin or the profit before tax over revenue or revenue, say, and use that profitability level and say if that profitability level is above an agreed profitability threshold, say 10%, then a share of the difference between your profitability and that agreed, say, 10%, will be going to the market. And the numbers in this formula that I heard are, say, 10% of the benchmark profitability will go to the market. Where that benchmark profitability, um, we don't know where the agreement will land. We have heard that some countries would like to have a benchmark profitability of 5%. Others, like the U.S., would be more comfortable with a 10% benchmark profitability. So this is a little bit how the formula will look like, and probably the multinational's profitability will be determined looking at the accounts, at accounting rules. So not at tax rules, but accounting rules. Another, this is probably the fourth revolution in this overall OECD project. Thank you for that, uh, Georgia. And maybe a question for you then, Stefan, um, that is about the inclusive framework, because I can imagine that um, a lot of the attention is now focused on amount A, but amount B is about um, 
either a um, result determined based on an application of the arm's length principle or a kind of a proxy to fix a uh, return for routine distribution uh, and sales income. How do the inclusive framework countries are likely to look at this in particular? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I think there are two things we should take into account. The one thing is, obviously, at least I would say, it's a kind of charming idea to say we're trying to fix, if we look at routine returns, that we try to fix those under an amount B. Um, that's, I would say, a positive thing because that could be for companies looking at these kind of activities uh, be a good sign to say we have a fixed return for that, uh, we can determine that. Um, on the other hand, and looking, I'm trying to look at the inclusive framework countries, um, there could be very much differences between those countries looking at this, yeah, we have a kind of routine distribution function here, but what are the differences if we look at a industry like the pharmaceutical industry, if we look like um, other industries, if we look like retailers, can we really go for this kind of argument to say we fix a kind of routine return and um, then obviously other countries like China, to bring in one example, we all know the UN transfer pricing um, manual and the chapter from China, which I really find interesting. Um, they could really take a different perspective. I'm trying, don't try to mix up things here, but if we think about this market premium thing, how can we factor this in? So what I do expect in trying to answer your question, what I do expect from the inclusive framework countries is that they take very different perspectives on this. And I don't think it will be that easy to find a compromise by saying, okay, we have a fixed routine return for a distribution activity and there's always X percent. Um, I, I doubt that a little bit, to be honest. That's very helpful, uh, Stefan. Um, thank you for that. But we're talking here about uh, allocation of A to the market countries. But what if I am a country that is very well known for important R&D activity? Um, so in other words, my, my question here is uh, for you in particular, because you attended um, the public consultation meeting and you're also a partner in a country that is known uh, for power um, R&D and so on. If I have an A, um, do I need a B and a C? If I have a B and a C, do I need an A above of the B and C? I think that's that's really one of the key points. And let me state, start by saying, if I, if if you if you allow me to argue about this amount A, you have mentioned countries like Germany or other countries where we have quite um, R and D activities, and that's my my first concern overall. Um, because when I was attending the OECD meeting, the OECD hearing last week on twenty first and twenty second of November on Pillar One. Um, that all sounds rather easy, yeah, right? We start with a global consolidated return and then we extract routine returns and we come up with something and we then we start trying to allocate under amount A, if I understand it correctly, for those countries, the market, market states and for those countries uh, where we have the IP um, residing. And so for countries which are very much driven by R&D, obviously there is much IP to be um, considered. Um, I do have some concerns, actually, that we really find the right way to allocate this this residual amount between these two things, the market states and uh, the IP states. I don't see how this could be a formula approach, and I don't want to go back to BEPS and action points 8 to 10. But I think we have tried to bring in a couple of efforts in determining what is the right amount for IPs. And now we start saying, 
for this particular allocation under amount A, you know what, we do a kind of formulaic approach and say something for the market states and uh, rest it for, of it for the uh, states where the IP is sitting. And I do have some problems and really find the right number for this. And if I, if I may, if I can recur to what I've heard um, in the OCD hearings from different industries, um, they made some suggestions, okay, we should go for 5 to 10%, as George just mentioned. Um, if I may ask a question, um, is it really worse to say we have 5 of, to 10% of the residual profit that is going to the market state? Is it really worthwhile to have all this kind of exercise um, for having this 5%? And actually, that was a question which at least we've heard during all breaks in the OECD hearings. Is it worthwhile to go for this particular thing here um, in order to allocate 5% to market states? Is it really what the OECD was hinting for, what the countries are looking for, what the inclusive framework is looking for? That's a very um, a great remark. And maybe, Stefan, interesting for you to know is that Chip Harter, a U.S. representative at the OECD, said at a public forum a month ago that he expects the impact on effective tax rate for U.S. companies of Pillar 1 not exceed 1% uh, for the reason that there are quite some U.S. companies U.S. headquartered companies that are then having market-facing activities outside the U.S., but there are quite uh, some, um, well, also consumers in the U.S. If you have 340-plus million people, then you, you also benefit on, on the other side also from the, from the amount A. So that was probably also interesting to, uh, to mention because he also added to that that he thought that the arm's length principle would come alive and well. But that was about a month ago. So Georgia already mentioned uh, the income inclusion. So in other words, minimum taxation, not yet anything known about the exact rate. In the annex, there is an example with a 15% rate just for illustrative purposes. Um, but it's interesting to see that already in the annex, um, there is um, nothing said in detail in the report other than a mentioning of the three other bullets under taxed payment rules. So, in other words, um, the business relief for certain payments can be rejected. For instance, this can be an arm's length royalty, but in line with, for instance, the uh, U.S. rules on beat base erosion payments in the U.S., there can be a denial of um, the deduction. The subject to tax rule or the switchover rule are um, also not covered. Switchover rule meaning that uh, there can be a switch to a credit system, which can have very far-reaching um, consequences, obviously. And that would ultimately be uh, a move in the direction of full export neutrality, uh, if you wish. And that can have all sorts of consequences also. For instance, if you're in the EU, uh, what about the consequences also from a treaty perspective? Because if I have an exemption system, I have to exempt as a head office the profits of a branch. But in case of a switch over, this will be, mean that um, there is a... Um, attraction of those profits to the head office. Well, in that case, we see an override of, of, of treaties. So nothing is said yet in more detail in the report other than mentioning this, the, the topic. Where the report goes in more detail is uh, about, again, how to determine 
the effective tax rate. So you need to have a basis. And I was saying earlier, there is no such thing as a global tax return. Well, here again, uh, there is a use of uh, financials and where financials are serving predominantly a different aim. And that was definitely something that we have submitted in our PwC response that was due yesterday, December 2nd, where we are uh, saying clearly that um, an investor uh, needs to read financials because an investor um, has to assess whether he or she uh, contemplates an investment in a company. Well, uh, global fiscal income and profit is something else than that. So a lot of questions were um, voiced by the OECD in that context, and that was uh, what we responded to. Um, a, a point that was missing as well, and that's my last point here, is the interaction between Pillar 1 and Pillar 2. There is a belief, and that's maybe a bit of a provocative statement, but we put it in our um, reply anyway, is the question whether Pillar 2 doesn't come a bit prematurely. So in other words, shouldn't we first um, put all the emphasis on Pillar 1 and try to land on Pillar 1, particularly if amount A will stand, and then move to Pillar 2? But as we all very well know, the OECD has to work under a very tight schedule and needs to come up with a framework for approach already by the end of January if they want to commit to their um, uh, plan to land by um, the end of 2020. Well, my question is, can we all do that in such a, a very short time frame? Over to you again, Stefan. Yeah, thanks a lot, Isabel, for this overview. And I think that's that's really brings us to the end. I think you have raised a couple of questions at the end. Um, I think it is really one can really say it's quite a tight timescale for the OECD. I I respect all this, but I'm I'm not quite sure whether we will end up uh, with a perfect solution. And uh, what you've raised, I don't think it's provocative. I couldn't agree more. It would make uh, quite some sense to go for pillar one first. Have it settled, and I think that's a quite an, a thing to do um, already. Particularly looking at the companies uh, taking care of the compliance and all the stuff, we would have to talk about dispute resolution. But I think I don't want to make up this discussion right now. Um, so what I'd like to do is to thank you very much, Isabel, Georgia, for this. I do hope we will uh, rearrange and regather once we have some more light from the OECD inclusive framework decision by end of January. And I think it's worthwhile to say that we should meet up then. And I close it by saying, interesting times. Uh, let's see what the US, US is doing. And then we will know much more, I think, in January. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you for listening to this TP Talks podcast. If you have any questions regarding this topic, please contact the speakers. You can find their contact information in the description of this episode. Thank you. Thank you.